0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Now, um, I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying uh, this time going through the book of Acts. Um, A couple of weeks back, uh, I shared, it's a little bit like... Hearing your family history, reading the Book of Acts, we might ask ourselves: You know, why are we here this Sunday? And you know, the, probably the simple answer is because well, we sort of did it last last Sunday, and six thirty is kind of the time that you know we usually meet. And what the Book of Acts helps us understand is we're here because we are part of the great movement of the Kingdom of God that launched into a particular phase with the coming of the Lord Jesus. And we're just one little part of that great big story. At the beginning of the book of Acts, um, as we, as you will rem- remember, Jesus ascends into heaven. He says, look, just before I'm going to go, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then you, the disciples, which is still us, um, are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And Croydon is not quite the end of the earth, but we're kind of... We're on the way there, depending on how you understand the place. But technically speaking, we're on the way, right? From Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth. And really, the ongoing story of Acts is a way, studying it, is a way of helping us understand, are we on track? Are we still understanding our place in that story right? Or have we somewhere... In the midst of our programs and our habits and all the rest of it, sort of slightly missed the point. So, I don't know where you got to uh, on your discussion, but I thought, why not just this week look through this particular moment in the story of Acts and ask just this very simple question What's different about the experience of the believers at that moment than our own experience and see what we might learn from that? Just a little caveat. Just because it happens once doesn't mean it's always going to happen. So it's important not to read the story of Acts as if whatever happened there is definitely going to happen in exactly the same way in our own lives. There are obvious ways in which that isn't the case. Pentecost was a singular one-off event and it makes it clear in the book of Acts that that's the case. But still, it's the same God that we worship and we're in the same phase of the Holy Spirit's ministry. So there's a great deal that we can learn. So I'm going to take us through... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven ways in which uh, this is kind of different. And I better get talking quickly, otherwise we'll be here for a long time. Okay, so here we go. How is this different from our Christian experience? Well, the first thing that we notice in these chapters is that there is growth despite opposition. The Christian faith grows despite opposition. So, um, it, it, we, we kind of read over it, but if you have a look at uh, chapter 4, just get it up on, in your Bibles, page 1,105, or on your device, you'll, you'll be helped just to follow it around. Um, we have um, the, the apostles heal this, this chap, this beggar, amazing moment. Uh, but then the priests and the captain of the temple guard are troubled by this. Verse 2, they're greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail the next day. So the way the gospel went out to the nations at this stage was through people being put in jail. Now, I don't know about your kind of plan for the, the growth of the, of the kingdom in this area, Personally, that's not like right on my kind of horizon right now. It's not really what I'm trying to aim for, but that's what's going on here. And actually the whole, this whole section of Acts is full of it. Just look down to verse 17. We get further on and basically you find out there's a bunch of guys get together and they think, how can we stop this? To stop this thing from spreading, they say, any further among the people, we must warn these people to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So the gospel is going out to the ends of the earth. And it's through the thick of a bunch of people who've actually teamed up specifically to stop the disciples saying anything about Jesus. That's the context in which the the gospel is growing. Growth despite opposition. What about today? Well, around the world, that is the reality of the Christian faith. Uh, We support via um, international needs a number of mission partners Pastor Nathan is going to come and be with us at the end of July. You hear his, his testimony. It's, it's really tough being a, uh, a Christian in Egypt where he is. His testimony is that he saw his own father's life being taken. Through opposition, the gospel is growing around the world. But it's probably not what we think is kind of game plan A for us in our country I often don't want to take the gospel somewhere where there's going to be opposition. I don't want to, talk, to G- talk about Jesus where people are not going to like it, because I think that's going to stop the gospel going any further. That's going to, that's going to be a problem for the kingdom. Um, now, to be clear, this is not to excuse that you know, we should go around and make nuisances of ourselves or just be awkward and unnecessarily poke the monkey. But in general, we need, we need to have that confidence to recognize that even if the gospel is not meeting with universal approval, if, even if the people all around us are not necessarily thrilled about the message of Christianity, that's okay. The kingdom will continue to grow. That's how it started, and it still will today. That's the first one, first one growth despite opposition. The second thing that's really striking for me is the confidence that the, the disciples have in the uniqueness of Christ. They believe Jesus is absolutely unique. Have a look at verse 11. They say, he, Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected. That's, he's the one that you guys, who were the teachers of the law, you cast aside, which has become the capstone. The capstone is the, the stone right in the corner at the bottom of the building. It's the most important stone. That's Jesus. And then he explains it uh, more explicitly, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. No other name. So in the early church, the church was driven by this conviction that Jesus alone offered the way to salvation. And the reason they believed that, that tied in with what they understood about what Jesus had achieved on the cross. Jesus did something utterly unique on the cross because he he was a sinless savior And he died the death on behalf of each of us that he might bear our sins. He alone was the risen Lord. No one rose like him. He's the only source of life that stretches beyond this age into the age to come. And that's why they believe Jesus was absolutely unique. In fact, none of the book of Acts makes any sense if Jesus wasn't unique. If Jesus wasn't unique, they could just say, well, guys, we've got this Jesus guy. You guys all carry on doing whatever you're doing. And we'll carry on with our Jesus going. We'll be fine. But no, the message was this Jesus message has got to get out to every single tribe, tongue and nation. It's got to go from here, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth because Jesus is unique. Now, that's quite a big thing to say, particularly in our culture, isn't it? It's not a hugely palatable idea. Are you saying your Jesus is unique? He's better than all the other saviors that people believe in aren't there many routes up the same mountain you know jesus is just one of them that feels quite an arrogant and presumptuous thing to say uh, for many people in our culture now we should ask ourselves the question well is is it, is it that well if as christians what we were saying is do you know what? i as a christian i've thought very very hard about you know all the answers to life's questions and using my excellent brain I've worked it out, um, and therefore, and I've got it right, and everyone else has got it wrong. That would be a very arrogant and presumptuous thing to, to do. But actually, the message of Christianity is not that. The message is there is this unique Savior. And we, helpless though we are, have found him. And we want to share him with other people. And because we know so deeply that he is unique, we want the whole world to know about him. This is what God has done. So that's the belief in the uniqueness of Christ. Okay, so we've had there's growth despite opposition. There's belief in the uniqueness of Christ. You'll like the next one. What was different? They had unschooled, spiritually alive leaders. Their leaders had not gone to school. They hadn't had theological education of the formal kind. In fact, uh, there's this uh, great moment here um, where the um, the leaders kind of look at the uh, it's, it's there in verse 13 they look at peter and john and we're told when they saw the courage of peter and john and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and took note that these men had been with jesus so do you see what's happening basically peter and john are getting a following and and the, the religious leaders at the time like did did you teach any of these guys did you see them in theological college anywhere did, i mean did they get good what, grades no, I, I, I don't remember. Did they even come? Did they even go? Just They're just fishermen. And yet, have you noticed that there's a lovely little line that comes at the end of that verse 13, which I think just helps, helps us understand the whole lot. They were, it says, they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note. These men had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. That was the difference. Now, I want to encourage you. I don't know what sort of leaders you look for. Look for this kind of a leader. Don't look for the one with all the credentials and all the CV. Look for the one who has been with Jesus. The one who is spiritually alive. And those leaders come in all shapes and sizes. They come in the most extraordinary and unlikely of places. They come all the way through a congregation, not necessarily here. But these are the people who lead the kingdom forward. And the growth of the church has really taken off because of them. So the Christian faith, the growth of the kingdom, it's not not fundamentally a technical thing. It's not actually even fundamentally just a sort of people thing in the sense of trying to persuade people and setting up clever ways of influencing lots of people. It's a spiritual thing. And so we need spiritual leaders. I wonder who the leaders are that you follow. Okay, the fourth thing that stands out is authenticating miracles. These guys had authenticating miracles. What do I mean by this? Well, as they preached the gospel, uh, Peter and the apostles did things that were absolutely mind-boggling, mind-bogglingly unreal for most people. And in this particular section, that's what's just happened. They've just healed um, uh, this crippled beggar. And what happened is, as people were listening to the message, Peter and James and the others were, were preaching, they're like, mm, I'm not really sure, is this true? Is it?" And then they watched them do the miracles, and they go, oh, wow, there's something extraordinary about what's going on. Perhaps this is true. Now, what are we to make of that? Well, I think the first thing it helps us to remember is that Christianity is not about making a leap of faith. So, When the first disciples came along, they didn't say, by the way, we've understood something new about God. You wouldn't really understand this. Let me explain to you what it is. And then what I'd like you to do is just close your eyes and just kind of crunch up your spiritual will and just try and believe it. They didn't put it like that. What they said instead is look down at uh, verse 19. Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. We can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Do you get the difference? They're saying, you know this stuff about Jesus? Well, I mean, you explain it. This guy was on the floor just now. And I said, I'll give you what I can in the name of Jesus. And he just got up. I'm not asking you to have a completely illogical thought here. I'm asking you to explain how this happened. Because I'm telling you it happened in the name of Jesus. And that's why you need to believe what I'm saying. And the same is true for us. That's where our faith that's how our faith needs to be built up. Now, we have the disadvantage of not being able to sit here right next to uh, Peter and John at the gate and watch that happen. On the flip side, we have an account of a whole load of stuff, a whole lot of stuff that hadn't even happened by this moment, about how the miracles spread out in the early movement of the gospel and of Jesus's life. So we can look at those as well and say, hmm, what, what do we make of this? What do we make of a guy who died and then rose, came back to life? We have authenticating miracles. But next comes the question, well, what about miracles today? Could we have some of these kind of miracles? That would be quite useful, wouldn't it? If alongside the preaching of the gospel, we could have amazing healings. Do they happen today? Well, that's quite a big question. Uh, the mainline denominations, the, the, one, you know, the famous ones, uh, I guess settled themselves on a on this basic understanding. They thought that stuff happened right at the beginning to kind of really kick the Christian movement off. But once things settled down, it wasn't really necessary. They wrote it all up. And so God doesn't really deal in this way anymore. Uh, In the the charismatic movement, which is a a very uh, influential movement that grew in the mid-1900s, sought to change the balance on that. They said, look, we watched, see this stuff happening in, in the Gospels. We, we want to see it happen in our churches. We would expect miracles and people coming to faith. Now, that's had a big impact in, in Christ, for Christians across uh, the West and across the world. But we've got to recognize that, particularly in the West, there's not a great deal of miracles that go on. If you go and be a Christian in another part of the world, you might see quite a lot more. And we've got questions to ask ourselves about why that is. So what should we expect well, I think I believe that there's a, there's a healing God. He's capable of healing. And so we pray for healing. Not every prayer for healing is answered positively. Ultimately, all of us expect that we will die at some stage. And so ultimately, not every prayer of healing will be answered yes. So we pray for God's miraculous intervention. We recognize that we're still waiting for um, a permanent restoration when Christ comes back. And only then will everything be restored. And for now, we look for those little moments, those little miraculous touches on the tiller that enable us to authenticate the gospel, that enable people to see, yes, this is for real. But, you know, it's also striking here that seeing miracles is not enough. I don't know whether you have friends who say to you, I remember a number who say, if Jesus appeared right in front of me and just did something amazing, then I would believe well, that's what happened to these guys. And did you notice what happened? The, 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 the authorities are like, ah, <laughs> this is problematic. Not only have these guys got a new idea, they keep doing these miracles. Which, so people are going to believe. So we better shut this down. <laughs> they didn't say, oh, yeah, great. Let me join you. Ultimately, uh, belief comes from the heart. And a miracle may not necessarily make it happen. So authenticating miracles. Three more, let me just rattle through these. Number one of these last three, radical obedience to God. Verse uh, verse 19, Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. The early church was full of people with radical obedience to God. If God says it, I'm gonna do it. I don't know about you, but I find that quite challenging because I think often in my life I go, if God says it, well, let me just see if I can find some excuses why I don't have to do it. But they had radical obedience. Um, did you know that um, Neymar, uh, the, the footballer, uh, he's a Christian uh, and uh, he's made no secret of his, of his faith. He has a separate clause in his um, contract which is worth 500,000 euros per month, which he gets if he avoids any religious propaganda. If he avoids saying anything about his faith, he gets a half a million at the end of the month. Here's a question for you and me. If we were on that contract, uh, would we get our half a million at the end of this month or not? It was a a bit of a challenging one for me. That's the kind of obedience that the Lord is looking for, the willingness to speak of him, even in situations where it has real cost. Sharing with uh, John earlier, it's hard for us sometimes to imagine what it might look like. Um, I've got some stories in my own family that bring this up close and personal. My great-grandfather was taken to prison for insisting that he was going to preach the whole Bible to Um, The people that he was training in seminary, he was in Nazi Germany and the the powers that be wanted them to get rid of the Old Testament from his teaching. He wasn't having it. And uh, my great uncle wrote me a letter, said, I just remember when the the Gestapo came and they walked my dad off, you know, out the house to prison for nine days to have a think about whether he really wanted to definitely kind of preach the message. That's pretty radical obedience. He came back out of prison, and just carried on. I wonder whether we would be prepared to do the same. And of course, it comes out of personal conviction. That's where that radical obedience comes. And I say that knowing how far short I fall um, of really this kind of radical obedience. Two more things that stand out. Radical obedience, fervent prayer and spirit-fueled boldness. Fervent prayer. I wonder what you would do the day after you got released for preaching the gospel. I would probably go home and nurse my wounds and complain to my wife. Um, Look what happens in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign God, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, Father David. And they talk about how there's a prediction that, you know, the Messiah is going to be fought against. Verse 28, uh, they said, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now listen I know I went on about prayer last time I was up here. I promise I'm not going to do it every time but it's in the passage again so here we go. If we want the kingdom to grow here we've got to be about prayer and we've got some amazing praying saints in this uh, church family and I'm so grateful to them and uh, Amanda and Alison who lead our prayer stream got so many creative and wonderful ideas to encourage us in that. I wonder if each of us is on board with that, on board with praying for the gospel to extend. Um, I remember I gave a talk once and it just completely flopped, and uh, there nothing—nothing was going on. There was no response. So I came, I spoke to my friend, my mentor, and I said, "You know, I, I don't know. I just—I I prepared carefully. I thought about what I was going to say. I said it. And no one was bothered." He said, "Did you pray?" "No, I, I didn't really pray." I didn't really pray. Now, sometimes we pray and nothing happens. But can we be a church that just prays? If you want to get on board with that, by the way, there's loads of opportunities. Prayer at the center happens every month. That's a classic opportunity to pray for the work of the church and ourselves. Prayhem is a great way to be praying for Mayhem, this, uh, our, our holiday um, uh, for, for kids this summer. That happens every Sunday morning after the, the morning service. Um, you could get in a triplet with a friend. Uh, And another friend, because there needs to be three of you. And pray together like that. Um, Prayer, fervent prayer. And finally, say, where have we been? We've we've seen, first of all, growth despite opposition. Belief in the uniqueness of Christ. Unschooled, spiritually alive leaders. Authenticating miracles. Radical obedience to God. Fervent prayer. And finally, spirit-fueled boldness. I want to leave you here with verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We've sung a couple of times, haven't we, this evening. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. We've prayed for God's Holy Spirit. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes, what's he going to enable us to do? I think we have our answer here in verse 31. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he enables us to speak the word of God boldly. You know, if you you come to church to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's fantastic. We, We want to feel the presence of God. But the presence of God is not just for us to sort of, you know, have a nice experience and then go home and get on with another week. It's there to move us out in mission. And we want to feel the presence of God so that we might be emboldened ourselves, just like they were, to speak the word of God and share it with those around us. Spirit-fueled boldness. Okay, I'm going to ask um, the band to just come up and, and join me up here. And I'd love us to just take a little bit of a moment. I'm going to read very slowly through those seven things. And I want you to just pick up perhaps on one of them and use that to pray into this evening. Let me read them out slowly. Growth despite opposition. A belief in the uniqueness of Christ. Unschooled, spiritually alive leaders. authenticating miracles, radical obedience to God, fervent prayer, spirit-fueled boldness. Lord, we pray that you would be with us this evening. You would put your finger on our hearts, whatever area it is of our lives that needs changing, that needs moving that needs growing. Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you accept us as we are, but that you also call us to your mission, to your work. And Lord, for each of us, I want to pray particularly this evening of those areas of our lives where we we feel a sense of call to obedience to you, but it's really tough and challenging. You know what they are. And I pray that you would Put your finger on our hearts, those areas, and make it clear to us. Give us a conviction. And then also give us the power to respond to you in obedience. I want to pray for anyone here who is, is doubting, is really struggling with their faith. Lord, you've given your people reasons to believe over history. Just show us what we need to know to be encouraged and strengthened in our belief. Finally, Lord, we pray that you would give us such a sense of wonder and love for our unique Saviour, that we can do nothing more than just speak about what we have seen and heard. We want to thank you this evening that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to see.